This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Double Tap Canada, the show where blind people talk tech. Have your say. Call us, text us to 844-971-1999. That's 844-971-1999. Tweet us at Double Tap Canada and find us on Facebook. Just search for Double Tap Canada. Now here's your favourite Double Tappers. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you here once again, along with my good friends, Mark Afalalalalo. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? Sorry, that. I'm good. You? I'm good. I actually feel good I'm today. Despite... I'm so excited because we have a guest on. It means I, I don't have to listen to you guys for like an hour. And do you know the great thing? For the first time ever, we shouldn't really promote this as a feature, right? But <laughs> yeah, for the first did. time ever, we've managed to tie up what went out on TV this week and our radio show. And you know what? I don't even think that was intentional. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, no, it was just... It we was just happened to tune into the TV show last night, and you were like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> we're talking about the metaverse and NFTs. Wait a second. We're doing that on the radio show, too. Wow. Can, can what I a honest? coincidence. I, I saw the notes about the show going on. So well like, That's amazing. That's amazing. That's tied up. <laughs> uh, Sean Priest is also here. Sean Priest. Hello. How is everyone? Ah, uh, you know. Good, good. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. You know, despite the fact I've had about three hours sleep, I, I don't know what is wrong with me right now. Uh, no, since, you're crazy. Since, since giving up the other job, right, and since going it alone, um, you know, I, I just, I, I am in such a you're bad... You're never alone, I, Stephen. I know I'm a not sheer alone. terror. You always have us. <laughs> well, that's the thing. This is what gets me up in the day. Uh, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. <laughs> And it's not a euphemism either, Priest. Uh, no, right, right, let's get to our guest, uh, because we're going to talk all about, well, a mix of different things, actually. We talked last week about NFTs, and we talked about the metaverse, and yeah. we've been talking about it. And to be honest, the question Wait we all second, have is... Wait a second, hang on. We try to talk about well, it, we, we don't exactly. actually know what we're talking about. Because we don't and have that's why we have a guest on this week. So, Mark, because you we, brought your friend. <laughs> I did. I brought, It's a Bring Your Friend Day to bring the show. Bring Your Friend to the and, podcast and, day. And if you've watched the TV <laughs> show this week, if not, you're going to want to head over to YouTube. Uh, com slash accessible media and look over uh, Double Tap TV. You will have already been introduced to uh, Chris Matthew. Chris, you know, I, I try to describe you. I try to introduce you with the most acclaim possible, uh, and and by which I go to uh, LinkedIn and I just repeat everything that I see there. So, for example, it says founder, advisor, investor, and hacker of all things metaverse. And then in brackets, he has a lot of buzzwords that a lot of people don't understand, but they look really cool. But uh, I've been following you, Chris, uh, and you guys at home who are listening. I've been following Chris for, for quite a while. There was this company, Magic Leap, that I was super interested in when augmented reality was kind of like a buzzword, really. Nobody was really doing anything. And Magic Leap, for, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, and, and welcome to the show, by the way. Hey, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, welcome. <laughs> was it, wasn't Magic Leap originally, it was the little device, the little USB device that it would allow you to use your hands to um, interact with the screen, or am I confusing that with something entirely different? Oh, that was uh, Leap motion or something okay, like that. Okay, so that's yeah. why I'm confused. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Magic Leap has always been has always been augmented reality, the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but how did you get involved in all this? Because, I mean, at some point your brain said, this is cool and I understand it. Let me figure all this out and let me become an expert in this because you are. So Thank you very much. So for years I've been trying to build the real Skynet, you know, from the Terminator movies. And uh, <laughs> That's good that's motivation. Not, that's not a good thing. <laughs> So I built this this Internet of Things company that, that allowed anything to talk to anything else, regardless of protocol. So I thought I sold that to Citrix. It was called OctaBlue. And I thought that was it. Then after a while, I was thinking that really wasn't it. That was just like machines, you know, talking to machines. What we really needed was this AI supercomputer that was unstoppable. So I created this thing called uh, computes.com, which was a decentralized worldwide supercomputing platform. And Magic Leap went, ooh, we, we, we need one of those. So uh, they acquired uh, by computes.com company. And, and I, so, so I had the, the, the IoT, then the, the unstoppable AI compute, and then magically brought the glasses to the table that had the infrared you know, Terminator vision. So I was like, I finally thought I succeeded. So I'm, now I'm working on the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Are the CIA banging down your door as we speak? They, they were. There was this group called... Um, uh, Incutel that that uh, stalked me for a little while. Um, met me in a dark alley in Barcelona, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, sh- 
this stuff's getting a little real. Yeah. Well, look, the reason we wanted to get you on, and, and Mark, I've never had you sound so excited on this show. Uh, you know, you, I like having friends on the show. I don't Sean, like you Sean, guys. Can you, you tell how warming. excited he is to bring his friend to the show today? So I know. I'm not. It's like show and tell. <laughs> you know, hang on, guys. I have to explain something because you know there are times in life where you connect with people or you follow people and you're interested in what they're doing, and then you get them on for the first time and you realize you could probably sit down for like five, six hours yeah. with this person and really just get along and, and, and speak kind of the same language, but you're, you're teaching each other things and you're re- actually genuinely interested in what the other person is doing. Hopefully the feeling is mutual, Chris, but I, I got that feeling the first time we, we got on the horn together for the TV show. And it's like, it's like, I feel like we've known each other for many, many years now. And that's why, yep. you know, it's, I don't hesitate to just, you know, shoot an email saying, Hey, do you want to come on and, and do it for nothing because we don't get paid. So why not you come on? And it just, it's one of those, one of those things like Stephen, like you and I, we got along like that when we first spoke the first time, like, yeah, you know, and after people that, in this world apart, and, there's yeah. no, and, it, and, it's, and it's few and far between, right? So you got to hang on to those moments. Yeah, Sean, Sean, who's that's oh, all right. Sean, yeah, I remember him. Uh, but no, look, absolutely right. And I think, you know, what is great about having you on, Chris, because one of the things about this show, when, when I started out with this show years ago, back in the dim and distant past, we were talking about accessible technology. We were talking about the issues that affected directly blind people. And at that point, I think, Chris, it was very much a, a bit of a walled garden. You know, a lot of the technology, some of it was available to us, but a lot of this futuristic stuff wasn't. And I think there's a huge change here. Uh, I think we're looking at technology, and particular the metaverse, as somewhere that blind people can exist as well. You know, we, we I don't think we'll be shut out of this. I don't know what it'll be like as an experience, but I think we'll be able to take part in it. And that's why I wanted to get you on, because that NFTs, all this stuff which we were trying to talk about last week and making a bit of a pig's ear of, and we thought we need somebody on who knows what they're talking about. Can you explain to us, and me in particular, I'm asking, you know, for me here, let's start with the metaverse. Can you explain this in words that a stupid person can understand? And again, I'm referring to myself. Well, you know, thank you. Um, I- I don't think the metaverse is a new concept. Like, like I remember when the internet first came out, the World Wide Web, it was called cyberspace, right? And, and in my mind, that was kind of what I think we were envisioning, you know, decades ago, like this idea where it's a place rather than a web page. And that's really what the metaverse is locked in on. It's, it's, it's this immersive uh, experience. Um, so, so think, I, I like to just say, it's it, we're going from web pages to web spaces, like like immersive three-dimensional uh, spaces. So that's really it. I mean, there's a lot of components that, you know, make it really more interesting this time around, but it's really about uh, uh, virtual experiences. You know, we think- talked about on the, on the TV show, we talked about the fact that this is going to be an interesting new kind of a new future for the for the internet in general and the way we communicate and and really commerce and you gave a great example on a TV show on Tuesday which was Disneyland you know, or any physical space that we walk into today where you're limited in capacity, whether it be because of just physical capacity, but we don't have those limitations. Certain limitations like that don't exist. So the opportunity to make money and to give people virtual experiences and, and, and create commerce out of it really is infinite. And I found that to be really cool. And that's one of those things that really kind of stuck with me, not because in my business mind, I want to, okay, how am I going to make money off this? But it really does remove certain barriers and i think when it comes to disability steven mm. there's a lot of barriers that are reduced because i mean you said it to me you know you 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 kind of act like a shut-in you don't want to go out you know because of physical spaces and things that you know are are, are issues for you or, or barriers for you but something like this you're not afraid to walk into something to you know walk into traffic and there, there's so many ways you can look at the metaverse that's it. I mean, Sean, you and I have had this conversation for long enough. And interestingly, when we talk about Web3, because uh, I know that's a question you've got here for Chris as well, is about Web3, Sean, and, and what, you know, yeah, what it is for a start. And, and, you know, is the metaverse, I guess, part of that? Well, the, the point for me is that the metaverse, I get as a concept, and I think you did a, a great thing there about, you know, the web spaces rather than websites. And we've seen this for the longest time. I'm thinking of films like Lawnmower Man or... Uh, you know, Ready Player One, where the virtual reality and this concept of the internet as just a, another 
space. I, I totally get that. Where I am slightly confused is how far away are we from that? What interfaces are we going to use? Because right now it's still keyboard and mouse are king. Um, those sort of interfaces, how are we going to get involved, immersed in this? Is it purely virtual reality? And then when it comes to Web3, is that part of it? Is that separate? Is that a competing concept? So many great questions there. Sorry. So, <laughs> so, let me start with Web3 and then we'll work our way up. Um, so what, it, it, there's a confluence, I like to say, of all of these technologies that, have, that people have been building, like all converging or merging at the same time. So Web3 was this concept of a decentralized web. You know, it, it originated off of the blockchain and Bitcoin and crypto. Well, that's, that's been full motion. Like there's so many awesome projects and platforms being built that let you build decentralized apps. And what that means is like everything is peer to peer, like all of your social networking essentially is peer to peer, no more Facebook owning all of your data. It's all decentralized. So, and, and the currency can be crypto. Like, so now like, you know, it's like uh, limitless when it comes to borders, you know, geographical world borders. So, that that movement combined with with this whole immersive you know metaverse experience you know that ties in the whole nft side of this you know the, the crypto and the blockchain so it's all converging at the same time to be something really really interesting that i think like the facebook's and the like of you know the web 2.0 days they they're they're running scared and that's why facebook's investing billions of dollars into a new metaverse of their own a walled garden metaverse, if you will, that, that's really predominantly VR, like Horizon. Um, to your, your second part of that question around, is VR the only way in? Most of these decentralized or Web3 uh, technologies are, are focusing on browser-based metaverses. So they're accessible with your, your phone or your tablet, with your PC or your Mac or Linux. And then if you want that fully immersive, you know, 360 degree environment, then you can add your Oculus or your Vive, you know, um, VR experience to it. But it's they're, they're, the smart ones are, are trying to create a browser-based metaverse experience that's accessible on all devices. We're, we're talking to Chris Matthew today. Uh, we've got so much more to talk about with you, Chris. Stick around. We'll be right back here on Double Tap Canada after this short break. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Double Tappers, want to get involved? Call the show now at 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca and have your say. This is Double Tap Canada. It's a tech show. Honest. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm approving that by talking about <laughs> the biggest and most scariest <laughs> tech of all this week. The future. It's always scary to you. It is terrifying to me. But, you know, I, I, it's great having Chris on because I feel like this week we're actually getting some answers to questions. And, you know, the thing about it is Chris, Chris Matteo, by the way, who's fantastic and knows everything there is to know about everything, which basically means more than us. And that, I have to say, is, is a very low bar to get across. But, you know, the thing is, Chris, you know, you're here, you're talking about these, you know, fantastic topics. You're bringing up metaverse, NFTs, crypto. Essentially, this is, these are not all separate things, although they are separate, but they're actually all coming together in the future. This is where we will be. I have a, a very serious question to ask on this topic. Uh, you know, do you think in the future that jobs will be available through, I'll give you an example, right? Ready Player One. I was watching and I was I was thought it was a fantastic film and it seemed to be people could essentially make money could make a living off of this. I play a game called Euro Truck Simulator and I oh. really enjoy driving my truck. Could I make money out of this in real life? Absolutely. I don't know about driving trucks, but yeah, absolutely anything's possible, right? Um no, like uh in, in, in the metaverse, uh, if, if you go back to Second Life, like 10 years ago, I don't know if you remember that yes. one. That one was yeah. a really good start or example of That's what, what the, metaverse... the metaverse is, to be honest. That's immediately yeah. what came to mind. It, it, they, they were ahead of their time. And if you think about it, uh, companies like you know Nike and Intel and IBM, I mean, they were creating store places you know, inside of Second Life. And they had they were staffing them with salespeople, talking to customers. So absolutely, like um, like we'll see showrooms of you know digital cars, you know, or, or your truck or whatever, like in a showroom with with salespeople in the metaverse trying to sell it or answer questions. Absolutely, that that's just a, the next generation of the two D web. 
going into the 3D web with with people uh, yeah, this, hanging around. Yeah, th this seems to me to be um, almost like we want to see this future where we can transport wherever we want. We can we can remove all these limitations of real life. And unfortunately, the only way we can attain that today is by creating it online and go using the tools we have today to remove those limitations virtually because we can't physically do it. Um, and we're living our dreams through these fake, they're not fake, but these virtual experiences. And I, I feel like we're almost, that's why we're doing it. We're doing it because, well, I can't transport myself to Florida today for a vacation. So let me slap on a headset because that's the closest thing I'm going to get. Yeah, but but now we're legitimizing it. Life is crap at the minute, right? So, you know, everything's terrible. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and disappearing <laughs> off into a virtual world. You know, but, but, but Stephen, you bring a good point because that's almost that's kind of a reason that I think this has accelerated over the past two years yeah. the, at the speed it has. Because now we're like, yeah. okay, we're home. Let's get out of this headspace and how to kind of how can we entertain ourselves more? You know. Hang on, though, Chris, can I just ask, because this seems like, uh, as nerds, as people who are into tech, amazing, as I mentioned, you know, sci-fi dream, right? Yes. But in, in practical terms, how is me jumping into my second second life any quicker? I mean, than actually opening up a browser and typing a website that I want to get to. Have I got to travel around and get to these storefronts or I can teleport there? I mean, from a practical point of view, does this actually make life easier? Because you're so lazy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it yes. is, as Marcus explained, it is all about teleporting. So like you could either go to like a Decentraland where you kind of have a destination, you move around like a virtual world, or you could just teleport, you know, to any spot inside of a virtual world. Like they've got coordinate systems. So you, you could go to Disneyland for 30 minutes if you have a time between meetings, if you will. And you could have an avatar and you could buy your avatar Mickey Mouse hats you know, a Mickey Mouse hat or something to, to walk around. And um, where I think this really gets interesting or fascinating to me is is using the real world as the metaverse. Like all of these things are, all these are virtual worlds uh, um, like Horizon that I'm seeing popping up. But imagine if you could teleport to the physical Disneyland through VR, but people physically at Disneyland could maybe see you in, in AR as you're walking around the, the, the park, like that's not too far off. Like this convergence between augmented reality and virtual reality, being able to coexist or be co-present like in a physical spot, that, that, that's going to be cool. That's so I'm at Disney world. I'm in, I'm in Florida. I'm in, I'm in Orlando. I'm on Disney world. I'm, I'm physically there. I'm getting on the haunted mansion and I look to the right and suddenly Steven's there, even though he's at home in Scotland, he's sitting next to me. He'll be a ghost, like next to you. He'll be a ghost. I'll be like, oh, my God, huh, that's a great illusion, Disney. And they'll be like, hi, Mark. <laughs> fully dressed, I hope. <laughs> Not guaranteed. <laughs> but I guess, you know, that, you know, and, 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 and vice versa, that could be very interesting, too, because Stephen could slop, uh, you know, slap on his headset and audibly go to the supermarket that's in his neighborhood, pick his whole grocery basket, and an hour later have it delivered to his house. You know, exactly. instead of relying on someone there to pick what you want, you could say, I want this apple and put it in your basket and virtually exactly. and have that. So so they the two really can kind of work together. This is so creepy. Is that is that because <laughs> processing power, because technology is just beyond the scale now, it's, we're no longer asking the question, are computers capable of doing this? It's more a, a question of what are they capable of? What what can we make happen? Exactly. And, and you think of like the Internet of Things. I mean, that's been, you know, building up for a decade. So now that's converged with the metaverse. I saw a video of, of a kid stocking grocery rooms, grocery store shelves in VR. And there was a robot in the um, in the store and he's doing it all virtually, like moving the robot's oh hands to put things on the shelves. And he's at home, like in New York or something. But that's now, exactly that's exactly my point, though, about the truck game, right? I mean, not to bring it back yep. to my own personal. You can't do it, Stephen. No, but but here's the thing. <laughs> there is, I mean, what is it in the military? They do this thing with the drones. You can fly the drones, but everyone's just sitting behind a computer screen, and no yep. one's really. I mean, you know, in essence, you could have a a driverless truck driving yes. down the road, controlled by 
hi, me, and, uh, you know, driving Terrifying. it down the road. <laughs> um, especially <laughs> by recent events. You, you make a very good point there, Stephen, because there has been a lot of cases, and I remember hearing a story, I don't remember where it was, but there was a light rail system going in, and because of the fact that it was driverless, people did not want to get on. That was they London. were scared England, to get yeah. on. It was London, you're right. And so what they did is they hired someone to literally sit at the front of this, <laughs> even though they had no power whatsoever, to make people feel comfortable. But imagine you could drive your driverless truck or your bus and add that sense of security even though you're not physically there you're still virtually there and you could still respond to people and you could still control that if you wanted to that could be very very interesting they don't have to know you're blind by the way well exactly i'll have to change my handle <laughs> on steam uh, but yeah i mean it's, it's just it's, it's so cool i just love this concept of you know essentially then disability for example doesn't become an issue anymore because right. Everyone's able to do as much as you would want to do. You know, it's... Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. Sean's going to okay. try and pull me back to reality. And- yeah, no, I'm going to put a downer on it. Oh, here we uh, go. Look, I, Sounds I fantastic. said life is crap, right? So you can't go any worse than that, surely. <laughs> well, look, I'm I'm interested in this decentralization term that's, that's always thrown out, right? Um, now, why is that a good thing? We're saying because not one company, not one big tech company has control over your data is what I keep hearing back. It's all about privacy and security. But with this, I'm worried about... Uh, we know living that, everywhere. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> look, the, yeah. The, the internet can be a toxic place, right? And with decentralization, is there less accountability you know, is is it more? I'm all for you need a passport to get on the internet. I I want people to stand by whatever they post on the internet and be instantly traceable to their actual real life person who they are. Um, I think that would change the internet. Now, I I believe that doing going decentralized and going through blockchain and you know a, a hashed encrypted wallets where everyone is virtually uh, anonymous. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? That's a Oof. great question. Yeah, that, that's that's a philosophical question. I'm a, I'm a tech guy. Sorry, <laughs> I, I built this stuff. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it. I, I like the idea of. I mean, Facebook. I, I did the math one time when I was at Magic Leap. Facebook is is generating about fifty thousand dollars a year off of each of us, in in our user clicks, our data, our, our advertising. So I kind of like the idea of them no longer having that data anymore or them deplatforming me for maybe something, a freedom of speech or something like that. So yes, I could see like, depending on where you go, it could, it could be toxic, but I could also see, you know, it, the, the, the good side of, of, of groups, you know, that, that maybe know each other um, or, or maybe hobbyists with the same hobbies, you know, being able to talk and, and nothing in the middle. Like it, it is all peer to peer decentralized at, I think there's there could be good and there could be bad. How does it? How do, sorry, Stephen. How does it? Um, you know, I understand the term decentralized really means that our data is in, encrypted with our hash. So we each have a hash that's a, unique to us, and we control whether we turn that key and open it and how much data we let out. But that data still does live all over the place, right? There are copies of it everywhere in the world and we just control with that key that only we have, we say how much each person can have access to, right? But yep. it still lives somewhere, right? So if I turn my computer off, there's still a copy on a peer and that's the whole concept of peer-to-peer, right? Right, right. So it's the private keys, public keys that you're talking about. So yeah, the, the, you need that private key to unlock or decrypt uh, those messages. And yeah, there's this thing called the interplanetary file system that all the NFTs are stored on or like like uh, decentralized images and files. And you're right, that's just like a global, like peer-to-peer network of file systems that, you know, one nice thing is you can't take it down, like it is out there. But the other the other point, you know, to, to your, you made Mark is that, you know, if it is encrypted, you could make it so that your only your private key can unlock, you know, the, those and, and that's data. where we've heard the stories like people locking themselves out of their own Bitcoin wallets yeah. and stuff like that. That's almost like the biggest danger here is don't lock yourself out of your life. <laughs> because yeah, you could. I, <laughs> I was watching a video uh, uh, last night. Someone uh, lost two million dollars in their wallet because they forgot their password and. They hired a hacker who got in and got them their 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 Bitcoin uh, uh, data. Uh, Chris, I'm looking for a picture I had uh, as as a kid with uh, 
my family on the beach of Scotland on a sunny day. Uh, we don't get many of them, so you know this is I think could you know probably be quite useful down the line to look back on. Is that in that file system by any chance? Because I can't find it anyway. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Um, you know, you talk about this as essentially no more Facebook, no more Twitter. We own everything, and it sounds great. I mean, I think a lot of people would agree it sounds brilliant. But coming from where we are today. Can I? Can you really see Facebook giving up that kind of control, or eventually letting go of it? Twitter, no, Google. So they, I mean, it's well, they have a choice. Well, so so Facebook's been like Facebook's hired like all the people magically played off a thousand of us uh, a year and a half ago. They've been high, on a hiring spree. They, they're still trying to hire me every every other day. I get emails from them. They're spending billions of dollars on creating a walled garden metaverse, hoping. That that you know the average person's not going to go looking beyond Facebook. So, you know they've got Horizon Worlds, they've got uh, uh, Facebook Workrooms. So they want you to work in virtual conference rooms. So they are spending a ton of money to try to keep you uh, in their metaverse, while while everyone else, like all the other companies like Microsoft and Apple and Google, they're building their own metaverses. So what's happening is. Uh, the, the, the term metaverse originated from Neil Stevenson's book, Snow Crash, and he meant for there to be one metaverse. And, and all of these were just verses or worlds like in the one metaverse. Well, what we're seeing with all these, these giant tech companies is that they're creating, we're, we're going to end up with hundreds, if not thousands of separate metaverses that don't talk to one another, that, that are their own walled gardens. And it is their attempt to lock you in and, and, and continue you garnering that that 50 grand a, a year a month from you sean i've just figured out all the problems we've ever had with accessibility over the years i've just figured out i know what the yeah, issues are okay everyone is so excited by all this tech that chris is talking about this is why we can't get a decent keyboard shortcut to answer a call in skype <laughs> are you saying we're not quite there yet is that what you're saying Stephen? no what i'm saying is everyone's way too distracted by this stuff uh the, the small stuff's being ignored um, that's a serious question though when it comes to you know if there's not one company we can shout at what happens to accessibility if mm. everything becomes decentralized yeah who's, I, think, who's listen, I think we've come to a point i think we might have come to a point in 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 as society where um accessibility is just it will come naturally, especially when you think of, of this virtual. No, I know. 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 I I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I I know. I I know. I know. I know. I know. Whether you're disabled or you're abled, you are a consumer. Yeah. And in the metaverse and in this world where audio can really lead the way here, I mean, you don't, I mean, you, if you can browse the web, you know, you can use the metaverse and you can exist in the metaverse. So as long as people continue to still need, uh, you know, the web browser as the interface or your phone as the interface, I think then we'll still have the tools that you have today the jaws of the world and all those things will still work the way you expect it to work. On the contrary, to implement that kind of stuff into the metaverse will be a lot easier because it already exists on computers. I'll tell you, you know, when I, I've always had a sight problem, Chris. I've always had a visual impairment since the day I was born. But in 2017, things got a bit worse. And I remember those early years of that, 2017 and 18, I was a very angry person. And I would have, I would have probably flown to Montreal and punched a flalo in the face for that kind of comment. Um, it's not too late. <laughs> COVID <laughs> saved him. Um, Please come visit me. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is I've, I've chilled a lot over the years and I've come to the realisation that actually it is about being hopeful. It is about being positive. It is about seeing where we are and where we've come from. And, you know, it's very easy in this world to, and Sean, you and I know this, we see it on Twitter all the time, and it's not unique to disabled people. Uh, you know, every community, every every section of society has their own groups of people who, you know, want to, to push this narrative that nothing's ever good enough and we need to constantly improve. Yes, things do need to improve. Things do need to get better. But we also need to recognise progress. And there was a time when pretty much the majority of the internet was inaccessible. There was a time when if you walked into a big bookstore in the middle of a town, one shelf, if you were lucky had the amount of books that were available to me as a blind person, one shelf in that entire store. 
And that store, I remember one store, we, we, we did a, a measurement about this when I worked at the RNIB, and in a store that had like five floors of books, one shelf was available to blind people. That is now pretty much at 90% or more. And that's only in, in maybe 10 years. That is an incredible move forward. It's an incredible amount of progress. So I'm actually with you on this, Mark. I will shake your hand and I will <laughs> ruffle your hair. Well, I don't think Sean is. Uh, I, I know we I know we got to take a break. Chris, do you have some we more do. time to stick around with us? Yeah, absolutely. This yeah, is I want to dive into NFTs and I've got a great a great thing I found online that I want to read to you and tell me if, I, if you think it's nuts or not. Okay, we'll get cool. to that. Stick around. We'll go uh, to a short break. We're also going to uh, give you some important tips as well, or some great new accessibility feature announced from Microsoft, and lots more to come here on Double Tap Canada. Stick around. Double Tap Canada will be back after this. This is Double Tap Canada. Have your say right now. Call or text 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca. Now, back to the show. You know, I love getting the emails from our listeners uh, because, you know, one of the things I love most is that I tend not to get any hate anymore. It all goes to Mark <laughs> and Sean. Uh, the world's gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get to that a bit later. Your feedback coming up. Also, um, now, Comcast is uh, a big company that does, I guess, satellite <laughs> stuff, um, <laughs> makes content and it's got it's got set top boxes right to watch tv that's the big i don't yes, know if that's in canada mark, set, but yeah. it's in the u.s no, isn't it not in canada but in the u.s definitely uh well they have equivalent here in the uk which is sky and the good news is that xfinity boxes their latest boxes that they they ship out to customers uh, they're getting more accessibility features and what's great about that is that that learning is going into other boxes so that Sean and I can benefit in the UK. Sorry, Canada. Um, so we'll get to that a bit later. Uh, also, uh, just a, an important tip for you today. Uh, my top tip for voiceover users today in iOS 15.3 with voiceover. If you've got captions turned on within voiceover settings, I don't know who has this feature turned on. Nobody has this Never turned on, it. but apparently some people do. I think it must come on by default now or something because no. everyone's talking about this. Uh, well, apparently if you're typing, you'll hear underscore when navigating by character or at the unlock phone keypad when you're trying to type. Instead of hearing the numbers, you're hearing underscore. Well, to fix it, turn off the captions, go into settings, accessibility, voiceover, go to captions and toggle that off. I have never had that turned on. And to be honest, I don't even know what it would look like on screen. Well, you know, if you do need the caption box for some reason, you can also just change the voice. I understand that Alex, if you switch to Alex for your voiceover voice... Oh, breathy Alex. Oof. Yeah, it's a bit... <gasps> but some people like that. Uh, you can also get rid of the underscore uh, problem. I like being shouted at by Scottish women. Uh, so for that reason, I have Fiona That's it. as my Say voice. Say no more. She's very we sh she likes that. to shout at me. She likes to tell me I have my email. I love that. I just love it. I feel yes, empowered. Yes, Guys, we're joined by Chris Matthew, and I want to, Chris, uh, I want to dive into NFTs, okay? Because everybody's hearing all these buzzwords, and NFT is one of these ones that I kind of get, but I kind of don't get. And and I want to read this great thing I saw online. It, it's it's someone who says, I don't know what an NFT, NFT is, and I'm too afraid to ask. And I think a lot of people are afraid to ask. People are afraid to be like, oh, I have no idea. But here's the answer that he gets. He gets, imagine if you went up to the Mona Lisa, and you were like, I'd like to own this. And someone nearby went, give me $65 million and I'll burn down an unspecified amount of the Amazon rainforest in order to give you this receipt of purchase. So you paid them and went, here's your receipt, thank you for purchase, and, and went to an unmarked supply closet in the back of the museum, posted a handmade label inside it behind the brooms that said, Mona Lisa currently owned by Bob. So if anyone wants to know who owns it, they have to find this specific closet in the specific hallway and look behind the correct brooms and you went, Okay, can I take the Mona Lisa home now? And they said, oh, God, no, are you stupid? You only bought the receipt that says you own it. You didn't actually buy the Mona Lisa itself. You can't take the Mona Lisa home, you idiot. You can take this, though, and he gives you a replica print in a cardboard tube that he sold in the gift shop. And also the person selling you the receipt of purchase has at no point in time ever actually owned the Mona Lisa. So unfortunately, if this doesn't really make any sense or seem like any logical person would be happy about this exchange, then you've understood it perfectly. <laughs> yeah that, that explanation is not too far off <laughs> so i mean I, I get the concept that an nft is uh, a digital item that is unique and that uh, you can prove with the blockchain and this public private token uh, keys that you categorically own this item what i don't understand is at what point in time 
can someone say that this item has any kind of intrinsic value? What allows Gary Vaynerchuk to draw a picture on a napkin and say this is worth $35,000? There's a hype train happening now. And, and, and to, to your point, like people are paying crazy money for things that that are you are like JPEGs. You're like like a, a digital image like you can Not like JPEGs. They are JPEGs. They are JPEGs. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so you can copy them, you know, a million times and all the NFT does it's it's a, a, a digital receipt proving ownership of a digital item, a non-fungible token. So all it's doing, you're right, is showing that you own the original or the first, you know, JPEG uh, of that of that copy <laughs> that uh, copy and paste session. Um, but then everyone else can have the same the same JPEG, but you have some little uh, digital certificate saying you own the original. So it's, so it's like it's like you know uh, here's a signed letter from Steve Jobs, his first job application from you know, the 1980s. Someone buys it at an auction for two million dollars, puts it up in their house. I go to their house, I take a picture, I print it, put it in my house. I'm not the I I can the guy who bought it. He can prove that he bought it at auction and it's original. Yeah. I can't, so it's not it's it's valueless to me, but it has value to him. But but what on earth gives anybody the right to say that this JPEG or this picture of a monkey is worth anything? Is it yeah, because I say yes? Because one person says yes, so it suddenly has value. Yeah, it's all speculative collectors at this point, but there are, there are values like uh, that NFT is going to solve in the future. Like right now, it's it's. It's bat crazy. I don't know if I can say the word. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yes, yes, right. you, you can say it. Um, I just, but, I, I, uh, it's like, fascinating to me because in some ways, initially when I heard about NFTs and I started to barely understand what, what they meant, the first thought that ran through my mind was, this is just like art. This is just like art. Like, you know, you yep. mentioned the Mona Lisa, Mark, right? So yeah. it's the same thing, but, you know, instead of... Uh, did Da Vinci paint it? I know nothing about anything. Um, whoever, <laughs> right, whoever it was, Picasso or, or, you know, whoever it was that did it, right? Whoever did <laughs> you run out of painters. <laughs> yeah. Here's the interesting thing, though. I feel but, like, but here's I the feel thing, like right? so, so if, if he had just saved that on his desktop as a, as a JPEG, that's essentially the same thing, right? If, he, if he'd done it in Microsoft Paint. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, and that's yeah. true. But the, here's the weird thing is that I don't under, what I just can't grasp is that, you know, so so we're saying yes okay if you if you have influence if you have a following and you can coerce someone into paying some kind of monetary value for this then you've suddenly given it value and it'll grow and whatever so me marco flalo well, well that's the thing so me marco flalo who has no influence you know i can draw a picture on a napkin and say it's worth fifty thousand dollars and no one's gonna pay me for it but only because these people like if the kardashians go out and put something someone's oh, yeah. gonna buy it oh my god it's a kardashian so if it wasn't for the fact that these people have influence these things wouldn't have value so it's it, we're legitimizing this insanity that's becoming of the world. Yeah, but isn't that capitalism? Yeah. I mean, you, you do that anyway. Yeah, it's bragging rights. Then what can I make? <laughs> well, that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, let's, let's be honest. We're asking this question because we want to know how we can do it, right? But at the end of the day, what difference does it make? If somebody wants to spend 30 grand on whatever it is, then good luck to them. Let them do it. I mean, if it's worthless in five years, that's their problem, right? It's not ours. We're not causing the problem. So, you know, <laughs> people, are making, not- people are making mint on this stuff like there's a guy who bought one of the gary v napkin drawings <laughs> for thirty five thousand dollars and sold it for 400. what on earth like yeah, well, i've got this great character of myself i'm holding up from lg sent this to me from ces okay they sent this i guess to all the people in the media this is original i guess chris you want to buy this <laughs> <laughs> stop trying to sell I'll things give you a i'll give you a receipt i can mint it somewhere. Picture of a dog as a child uh, i've got the line <laughs> somewhere. stop trying to sell him things chris you were going to say something about nft solving a problem in the future what were you going to say there yeah so um if you kind of think about it if it proves that it's a it's a an original um uh digital certificate my, the, the realistic use case in my mind is event tickets or proof of insurance or things that that you you prove that you own something. So like I'm thinking like an event ticket as an NFT, you go into the, the metaverse or it could be a real event um, and you basically show your NFT as your, your purchase to that event and they let you in. So 
Um, you know, and then they can say, oh, only Chris owns that, that NFT. So it's Chris's, you know, NFT ticket of that event. So I think there's uh, applicability for them in the future. It's just back crazy right now um, with, with art. Um, music will be the next. Um, like, like there's a lot of musicians that are NFTing, you know, um, original Masters, works of yeah. music. Um, avatars, you know, with clothing, like the Mickey Mouse hat we talked about earlier, you'll be able to buy a, a Mickey Mouse hat as oh, an NFT, crazy. as a wearable NFT for your avatar <laughs> while you're at Disneyland. So there's going to be a ton of money, like, like uh, attached to this, this, you know, acronym. Well, it's value, time. isn't it? I mean, like, you know, emojis, how long can they be free, right? At some point, yeah. someone's going to put a value on an emoji and say, well, you know, if you want this emoji, it's going to cost you because it's taken time and effort for someone to create. So, yeah, Chris, I could talk to you all day. I, I've got to get a feedback. But listen, I, I honestly, I loved having you on this week. It has been such fun. And uh, I think we've all learned a hell of a lot, which is, is just absolutely fantastic. So listen, I really want to thank you for uh, for coming on where can people find you online chris read more about you I'm, yeah i'm chris matthew on all the the social uh, media platforms and matthew's like f- french spelling m-a-t-t-h-i-e matthew yeah and matthew so that, that's it yeah and thing and likewise i had a blast thank you so much Ah, oh, great stop Listen, having thanks. so much fun because you're going to want to keep coming back and we still can't pay you <laughs> i know it's ridiculous wait a second I pay pay you with this picture. i'll pay you with this picture <laughs> <laughs> we won't change Don't forget, uh, you can see more of Chris on this week's Double Tap TV episode. Well worth checking out on the AMI-TV app and also on AMI.ca and, of course, on the TV channel as well. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. This is Double Tap Canada. Now, back to the show. Ye, and indeed, ha, is uh, how I like to hey. introduce with that music. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Chris was great, wasn't he? Honestly, what a guy. He, knows, he makes me feel so stupid. Do you understand stupid. things more now? Do you yeah, understand I know nothing. I mean, no, I do. I actually, do you know, I, I do feel, that's what I love about Chris, because he made it understandable. You know, a lot of this yeah, stuff, did. when you when you go, sometimes you listen to these, let's just say there are apparently other podcasts out there. Um, huh. I don't know, who cares, right? But, you know, apparently there are, and they get so in-depth and detail in this and they just lose people. Yeah, me, with their detail. Me, with their what detail and knowledge. <laughs> so, you know, I love the fact that Chris came on and, and just made it all sensible uh, to all of us. Uh, right, look, I want to talk about a couple of things before we get to uh, feedback. Uh, Microsoft has upgraded its Power Toys software with three new utilities to Ooh. improve accessibility and usability. Sean Priest, what is a Power Toy collection? Ooh, well, Power Toys have been around for the longest time. I remember, I think, on Windows XP, I had Power Toys uh, installed. So it just gives you extra features. Uh, I installed this recently. Now, it's not an easy install. It's something you can't just download from the Windows Store. You do need to go to GitHub and download it. But once you install it, it does give you these extra features. And one that's really interesting is the Universal Mute. So I think it's Windows N and it will mute my mic no matter where I am or what Mm. app I'm in, which is handy. Uh, And another one for low vision users is the uh, Mouse Spotlight. So if you press the control key twice, your screen will go dark and a white spotlight will uh, be circled around wherever your mouse is on the screen. So it makes it really easy to find. That's kind of um, like the equivalent of on the Mac where you just shake your mouse and it grows grows large. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So it's just the easy way to locate your mouse when you've got a high resolution or whatever. So, yeah, there's some interesting things on there. And they're adding things all the time. So that's what you're talking about here, isn't it? This new feature. This is this is one of the main features. There are some other ones. I say three. Uh, some of these things are much more under the hood. And I'm not going to get into the detail of them because I don't think any of us will, frankly, care or know. <laughs> How it works. I mean, I think interestingly, the only part of this, which I mean, I am reading this, trying to make sense of it as I go. But one of the yes, challenges, yeah, no, one of the challenges is that a lot of software, as we know, especially in Windows, there's a lot of moving parts to software, and um, sometimes it's hard to keep grasp of that when you're using a screen reader. So they're apparently trying to cut back on a lot of that. Um, File Explorer is one of the, the areas where you know it's been, I think, implemented most uh, to try and kind of stop as much on the screen. I mean, they could really simplify a lot of this. The, the biggest problem with Windows for me is legacy. There's just so much legacy in there. You, the fact you still have the original control panel, you still have the run commands. You know, they've yeah. got to get rid of all that. And I guess when because they got they want to they want to change it, but every time they change anything, they get such backlash from people and it's like there's so many users of Windows that even if it's just like a, a small percentage of people 
it's annoying. You know, it's just, it's freaking annoying. Like, so how do you balance it between, and I think the best way to do that really is to give people the option, right? To, to present them with maybe one or two, maybe three different choices of how they view it. But you have to show, like, it's kind of like when you set up an iPhone and you get the choice for your home screen to be zoomed in or zoomed out. Mm. They're saying, these are your two options. Pick one now. This is what's different. This is how they physically look. So if you went setting up Windows, we're given the option. Do you want to see a cluttered big interface like you're used to? Or do you want to see this nice, simplified way of doing things? I think that might be the solution to giving everybody what they want. Yeah. Well, Windows 11 is actually rolling back the taskbar. The changes they made onto the taskbar, they're rolling back to how it was previously on Windows 10. Well, not totally, but making it more Windows 10-like. Um, I, I think the answer is easy. Look at the community. Uh, look at the third-party tweaks out there. Do what Apple do, where take things from the jailbreak community and say they're mine now. Uh, well, there's that, so yeah. many... I was going to say be more <laughs> Apple, but I don't mean like that. I mean, just be more Apple in the sense of just say, screw it, this is what you're getting. And if you don't well, like the, it, go buy something there's so, else. There's so many great little bits of software out there and apps for Windows that, that, that change the way it works or adds a feature or a function uh, that obviously make it better and i think microsoft see them out there look power toys going back to the power toys thing is is a nod in that direction i just wish it was more easily accessible and on that actually navigating around the power toys interface isn't the greatest experience uh, did, you, did just, you say i've got to get that from github yes oh, currently that, that's the only place i know anyway i'm sure there's you can download it i can't make Google any sense of that website it. i seem to download about five thousand files none of them seem to do anything no, exactly right. You need to find the right, you know, find the zip file or the exe file amongst a thousand links. It's not the right. Yeah, let's talk exactly about right. let's talk about feedback because we got well, a lot of it in this up, week. I know, I know, unbelievable. I know, shocking, isn't it? Uh, right, Mark. <laughs> uh, let's get some feedback. Uh, this one's turning away from you towards Sean, I believe. This first email. Oh, really? And uh, it's oh, no. almost like I should have that email ready in front of me. To <laughs> no, don't bother. Read. Oh, like, we can't find so it. Excited by metaverse. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Come no, we on, don't guys. have that email. We seem to have lost it. Moving on. We appear to have lost have that we? presenter. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Which one, though? I've just listened to the podcast of your latest episode. Some, some great yes. chat that certainly raised a few issues worthy of discussion. Since Mark received some flack, I thought I should, in the interest of balance, ooh, have a go at Sean this week. Uh, notice I'm getting excited, guys? I've uh, made it. comments about Bose frames let me feeling hurt and insulted. Ooh! Okay. I was maybe just a little irritated, but these days I'm told it's normal to take extreme offense at anything <laughs> anyone says about any subject. Correct. Anyway, I use my Bose frames all the time, and I love listening to music through them. The sound quality is much better than my old AirPods, and I don't run the risk of them falling off my face unless I walk into a door don't do that I'll, I'll admit that the sound bleed annoys people around me especially if i'm playing rock music at high volume but that's not my problem i love this guy's attitude yeah, great. <laughs> uh, fi finally as regards to ludicrous prices attached to those nfts you mentioned mark was asking how anything can have an intrinsic value okay oh, that's funny i just said that now uh this is always difficult for creators but i'd say it boils down to how much a creator thinks they can charge or have a realistic chance of someone paying it okay so that Picture, by the way, guys, five bucks. Um, as someone who writes <laughs> novels, I know the price is always difficult to judge. You need to pitch it at a level which will encourage people to buy it, yet which still provides a tiny silver sliver income for yourself um, once your costs are deducted, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but when you get to the stage of an item being valuable simply because of who created it, that is, in my opinion, just down to people's desire to own something rare for its own sake and having more money than cents. I like that explanation, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Cheers yeah. for now, Gordon. I, I that's you know that's like my Kardashian example, right? Mm -hmm. They they make something like here's a big picture of my latest poop, and they will sell that for a million dollars. And they will. <laughs> Listen, you can guarantee. I know, that and they will. I'm not. This yeah. is like I know that sounds like a farce, but it's not. No, sadly. Uh, we got an email from Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca writes, I try to stay out of political issues, but your comments about monopolies concern me. I do not believe most people resent the success of others, but the ends do not justify the means. Many corporations receive preferential treatment and special contracts from all levels of government, and the pandemic has proven to me that the worker is the backbone of any successful large corporation. Every day there are stories about companies with government contracts with poor customer service. The success of Apple and Google depend on the dedicated talents of developers, and if everyone left these platforms, our cell phones would not be as useful thanks okay yeah i mean it's, okay. it's this endless argument about you know whether or not companies are good or bad or you know intrinsically evil uh like some of us uh, are told 
Um, I'm not a believer in that theory personally. Uh, I don't think you are either, Mark. But um, no, I think it, I think it's it. Look, at the end of the day, it's it's about choice. That's the key thing. I'm all about choice. Now we did get an update on uh, Rebecca, uh, from Rebecca, I should say, that just came in to us. I believe in the just before we started the show. Yes, it did. It says. Uh... Where is it? Uh, first, you've tried. Ins- uh, have you tried installing the ARM version of Windows 11 on a Mac? And will it work with third-party screen readers? Here's a YouTube video from a voiceover user. Ooh, uh, okay. Windows SE is rolling out for the education market on PCs with 4 gigs of RAM and 64 eMMC memory. Is this sufficient for JAWS and NVDA? Should we still mm. emphasize writing in Braille or focus more on learning how to read grade one or grade two? There's a lot of questions here. Um, I remember <laughs> the problems I had translating between Braille and print. At the time, I was using Braille Note, Apex, and Windows. I can't tell you how many times words like Braille Note were not translated correctly, leading me to use a QWERTY keyboard for most things and using Braille for writing personal notes. Thanks. Oh, Rebecca, you're going to start a war with those kind of words. Um, yeah, people, uh, as soon as you start getting into the depth and detail, of uh, these braille displays and their ability to translate over to PCs. I mean, it's it's still, I think it's better than it used to be. I think that's the honest truth. It's certainly a lot better than it used to be, but, you know, clearly there are still issues. And there's a lot of, it's always down to support by the software. Uh, and it just takes one screw up. You know, I think there's issues at the moment with the latest uh, iOS 15 in braille, not playing well, uh, and on it goes. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's an endless, it's a difficult situation. You know, there has to be the support there. But it's such a small group of people who are using this technology. Uh, you know, maybe they're not getting the feedback in time. I don't know. I don't know. But people can, can share their thoughts. As for Windows SE rolling out 4 gig RAM and 64 gig uh, hard drive, uh, and is that sufficient enough for JAWS and NVDA? Well, for JAWS, Sean, I'd say no. I still maintain 16 gig as a minimum for JAWS. Everyone likes you, to argue this, but I yeah, think for JAWS I, to make it work. NVDA, I don't know. You, you can tell me. Well, NVDA has a much lower footprint when it comes to system resources, but I mean, you'd have to get your hands on a, on one to, to try it out because I'm, I'm very reluctant to say, oh, well, four gig, no way. Um, I'll it's see the it. Proce- yeah, yeah, you will, but I'm not <laughs> entirely sure. You're right. I, I think the, it depends on the processor. That's taking the brunt here. Mm. So we need to get our hands on one to try it out. Um, okay, well, I'd love to get some of these other questions, actually, about writing in Braille or um, focusing on how to read grade one. That's a great question because it gets Arm into Arm windows? The... What about that one? Uh, well, I'd love to. I haven't tried... I haven't done it yet. No, I haven't no. done it. Um, I am tempted, but then, you know, it's not going to run JAWS. I mean, I can play with narrator, I guess. Well, we'll, but... just, we'll check that video out and see. Exactly. Well, someone else has done it. I love it. That means I don't have to do <laughs> anything. Uh, listen, great show this week, guys. Really enjoyed it. I'm not saying the rest are terrible. I just enjoyed this one a lot. But uh, thank all you thanks so to Chris. Yeah, exactly. Chris was brilliant. Uh, so yeah, Mark, well done for bringing your friend with you. Well done. Yes, that was a fantastic well friend. You may bring yeah, more you, friends. You yes. Bring more friends. Sean, don't bring. If you have friends. any. Uh, no. yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week with more details on how to get in touch coming up. Thanks for listening and keep your feedback coming. Call 1-844-971-1999 and leave us a voicemail. Email feedback at ami.ca. We're also on Twitter at Double Tap Canada and on Facebook. Can't wait till next week? Ask your smart speaker to play Double Tap Canada or listen on the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening. Catch you again next time. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.